Welcome to Network Capital, Mukesh. For anyone familiar with entrepreneurship, India, and fitness, I don't think you need an introduction. Since we are a platform focused on mentorship and careers, I'd love to start with your early life. What was uh, uh, your early career like when you were at IIT Kanpur? Did you know that you will end up becoming an entrepreneur and uh, solving uh, in the fitness space? No, I absolutely did not have you know a lot of clarity, Utkarsh, uh, but. Um... Uh, I got some glimpse into, you know, what my career could be. And it so happened in, you know, I think after second year in college, I was a little bit disillusioned with the, you know, academic, uh, uh, you know, ladder, how it was set up, you know, supposed to get high grades, go to US for master and so on. I was not sure. I, I thought I was just following, you know, other people's journey. So I started introspecting, reflecting, reading a lot of books, etc. And came across some amazing books on entrepreneurship back then. So Akio Morita's book about uh, Sony and Sam Walton's book, you know, made in America about uh, Walmart journey and so on. And I think initial seed of a potential career in entrepreneurship was born there. And uh, I also fortunately or, or unfortunately did not do very well academically last two years. So master's was ruled out uh, by, but I ended up getting a job in late 90s in a US firm. And that's around the time that dot-com was happening. So again, I could feel a lot of pull and attraction of trying to start something. And I ended up actually quitting my job first just 18 months into it. And I did move to Silicon Valley and try to start a company, which obviously did not work out because I really had no clue. But yeah, I think so there were a lot of early signs of you know immense hmm. interest and even some experimentation. Right. And at that time, was fitness a part of your life? So I was not aware that fitness was part of my life, but I have always been very active and I grew up playing a lot of sports. I think mm. uh, playing outdoors is, uh, is what I did, you know, growing up, you know, all the way into going to college where it slowed down a bit. So I was always physically active and then, but I was not into formal fitness, etc. But in my twenties, you know, I uh, started going to gym that was spurred by, you know, my roommate who got into, you know, gyms and bodybuilding before me. And as he started to get, you know, become very well-defined and, uh, you know, I would feel left being left out. So I started following him to the gym. And that's where I think my formal engagement with the fitness industry started. Since then, I've gone through, you know, all kind of fitness regimens and experiments and so on. But yeah, uh, around 24, at the age of 24 is when I started going to gym. At the, 20, at the age of 24. So you call yourself a guinea pig of sorts when it comes to experimenting with your lifestyle and, and fitness and so forth. We will come to that. I want to talk about your book and your fitness uh, largely in this discussion. But I do want to get a glimpse of, uh, you know, being slightly confused about your career, going to the valley, starting a company, not doing so well, and then slowly experimenting your way to success, Mintra, Flipkart uh, and others. Do you want to give us a flavor of what that journey has been like um, so that when young professionals listen sure. to it, they can yeah. take away key frameworks yeah. and mental models? I think a lot of this journey has been about you know, learning from failures and also at some point developing clarity. So for me, I think when I first moved to Silicon Valley to start a company, it was more of a romantic idea of wanting to be an entrepreneur without really understanding what does it entail. 
and then so you know i tried to start something you know uh, it failed in about 6 months or so i was also out of money by the time but i then made an important decision that i was clear by the time i really do want to be an entrepreneur and i decided i'll only work for very early stage companies and that's probably mm-hmm. best way i can learn about being an entrepreneur so from 1999 till 2007 i worked for four different startups you know all very early stage and i learned a tons from that you know and there are challenges of working in early stage company because things don't go well they you know more often than not uh, there are always funding issues you know startups you know shut down some of the four companies i worked for you know one was moderately successful um and three basically you know failed or shut down um but you know and, and but i stayed with it you know for eight years hmm. i continued to observe learn experiment you know develop as a professional so by the time i started second time around 2007 i was fully prepared you know in some ways i had done this my long term 8 year mba in entrepreneurship mm. and i was able to take away a lot of those learnings mindset you know familiarity with various situations that arise in the entrepreneurial journey which was you know very informative in my entrepreneurial journey later was your family supportive because you you were i would say quite successful early on at least academically you went to a great engineering college um when they see you not taking the conventional multinational route were they excited by it i think in my case was bit of an exception in the sense that you know my parents and i come from very small town in haridwar and uh, after you know i went to us i think my parents kind of lost track of my career and what i was doing and they had a you know very little say you know i don't know as a good thing or bad thing but uh, i was basically making my own decisions etc so fortunately i didn't have to uh, think a lot about that uh, but uh, i had a you know kind of um, small family of my own and one consideration for me was to have enough of a financial cushion so having worked in the you know my daughter was just 2 uh, year old when i started mintra so i ensured that you know by the time i had uh, you know some you know able to survive on my own for 3 4 years so that helped and that's also one key input you know when people jump into entrepreneurship and not thinking through about a runway that's a big problem because you don't know you may or may not get funding in one year but nothing really happens in one year so creating you know yeah. that runway for you it's one very important uh, consideration that I highly recommend so that was helpful but yeah to directly answer your question i think there was you know very little input i think uh, my parents were if anything they were pleasantly surprised that i was moving back to india to do something Yeah. So Mintra um how and why? Right. So I think um I think my primary vector in those days was I really really just wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was looking to start and I've been you know kind of entrepreneur in waiting for 8 years prior, right? So I was really itching to go. Uh my last two startups in US both had development centers in Bangalore. So I used mm-hmm. to come very often to interact with the teams. and in those years 2005 6 7 i could feel a lot of excitement in the air and i could felt i could feel that the you know, whole digital economy is just on the verge you know cusp of taking off and i had seen all that play out in us in the prior one decade so i got excited about wanting to be in on a day one you know get involved on the ground floor uh, second thing in the companies i've generally worked for were in the consumer internet space so i wanted to do in the consumer internet space i was not aware of you know things like tam etc in those days so in the end i ended up picking a very you know boutique use case of selling personalized products online uh, there was one company cafe press which was doing quite well in us at the time 
So I thought mm-hmm. it was a new thing, you know, I can try that in India. But I think primary bet was on India and consumer internet and some use case to start, which of which again didn't work out. You know, we ended up pivoting multiple times during first four years of Mintra until we finally mm-hmm. arrived at uh, online fashion retailing, which worked out. Yeah. And these pivots, every time you had to pivot, what um, what prompted it? What were some of the lessons from the pivots at Mintra? Yeah, I think partly, you know, you know, part, uh, journey of being an entrepreneur, but also learning my Silicon Valley days is, you know, what uh, people call it, you know, confronting the brutal facts. So you may have a vision, you may have a deep conviction, something you may build the best possible products you think you can win, but then you have to pay a lot of attention to both data at what consumers are telling you, right? And I think uh, in the first our B2C avatar, you know, selling personalized product online, this market was very small. We plateaued at a very, very tiny scale. When we tried to you know, B2B, we figured out the industry was not very clean, you know, the way corporate gifting industry was set up in India, right? We tried even experiment with the offline retailing, but the unit economics, you know, the rents in the mall, et cetera, and the throughput, you know, is not adding up. So there's always some, you know, uh, initially you're starting with some thesis and build it out, but then when you look at an introspect and then at some point data adds up, you know, you can give it a finite runway, but then you have to, you know, confront the brutal facts, you know, uh, so which is what, you know, would lead to uh, every pivot, every, you know, I would say 12 to 18 months in first four years. Yeah. And ultimately, like, you know, you did make it succeed, even though in your words, the time didn't seem very high at the time. Um but did you, when, when you had the first brush with success, did you finally feel that I've arrived now or by that time was your, um, you know, your body slightly waning and you were realizing that you'd be getting pulled in all sorts I of I think the you know, interesting part of my story is, you know, not after things started working. It's about, you know, when things were not working. If you look at from 99 till 2011, the 12 years, I was around basically failing startups. But I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, being there because I obviously, you know, any given time I could have quit and joined a really well-paying job. Hopefully, you know, with the IIT degrees, you know, there is no dearth of, you know, job opportunities. But Mm -hmm. I enjoyed, you know, the process of building a product, figuring out product market fit. You know, this whole idea of, you know, building something for nothing really appealed. And also there is an enormous freedom in the early stage environment. If you have a good idea, just go ahead and implement, see what happens, right? So hmm. I was thoroughly enjoying. So I was not fatigued at all. I think eventually when things started working somewhere deep down, I believe things will work anyway. So it was more of a relief. And okay, now hmm. let's really double down. And now that, you know, we've caught a favorable wave, let's, you know, ride hmm. it to the maximum. So probably I think somewhat sense of inevitability and a bit of a relief is, you know, why, how I'll describe, you know, first couple of years when things started going well. Were you still fit by the time? I was, yeah, I think, you know, I was pretty, I've been fit throughout my life. There was a two-year, you know, uh, lull, I think, after I moved back to India and got involved in building Mintra, uh, it was, you know, standard long hours and a lot of, you know, just fully consumed with what we're trying to do. And as a result, I think, you know, I stopped going to gym after having been a gym goer for six, seven years. And those two years, but I could see the effect, you know, slowly start gaining weight energy started dropping, sleep quality started suffering, you know, focus started wavering and so on. And then, you know, I decided that I need to go back to fitness. It was a little difficult to go back in, but uh, somehow I managed to, you know, get back in and really never look back. So 2009, now it has been an integral part of my lifestyle. I mean, in fact, you know, so integral that 
if you force me to give up one between fitness and startups i think startups is what i'll give up but not fitness thankfully you do something very close to fitness and write about it so yeah. you don't have to probably give up anything at all um mukesh something really changed in uh, in an american hospital do you want to tell us when and how that happened despite you know your emphasis on fitness overall right yeah yeah so it was a you know almost like a freak situation you know in 2007 i was in between a transition period i used to come to india for every 3 weeks go back for one week and you know so like in six month in a row i was doing this you know twice you know time zone and 12 hour you know time zone change and also sleeping less you know eating mostly outside food and so on and uh, i think you know on one of such trip back to us i ended up having this you know really strange symptom where i would not able, i was not even able to look into light this throbbing headache this just won't go away and just feeling like really really weak and out of energy ended up going to emergency and after some test you know it was diagnosed with meningitis meningitis which can depending on strain could be quite deadly so it was pretty nerve wracking 2 3 days for me being you know completely isolated quarantined while more tests were being done eventually turned out to be milder form and i got out of it but it was a huge wake up call i did not did not also understand you know what was it and why it happened but it yeah. piqued my interest i started you know looking into it and eventually understood you know when you are you know changing time zones continuously sleeping less eating outside you know your immunity system starts to go down and your body's innate ability to fight off you know any of the infections goes down dramatically and that's when there is something called blood brain barrier so basically you know that blood brain barrier does not allow most you know, almost any pathogens to go into you know brain area right but mm-hmm. when the immunity is compromised then the you know bacteria or viral in this case is able to go infect the brain and that's what you know meningitis is so i think you know i realized that you know my one is the lifestyle for that brief period was quite unhealthy on top of that even mm-hmm. though i active but i was active only in one dimension where i was working out but not not paying attention to many other facet of health so it was not very holistic and balanced and since then i think it was a very strong impetus for me to want to learn more about um, health in general experiment a lot of things and i think that has shaped i think a lot of my personal journey and professional journey since then right it must have been scary uh, i imagine i'm glad you came out of it uh, fine um would you tell us about one of or if not the most successful day of your life of your professional life when you felt that all stars have finally aligned and um right. on that day uh, what did you feel and what did you go through i think i i really don't think i think in a startup you know what happens is you go through so much you know intensity etc trying to make things work i think you feel in some ways more satisfied when you solve a important problem or uh, you know you see you know people within the company start to grow and perform at a much different level that gives you or you know biggest you know when customers start you know raving about your product which happened in both my mintra journey and curl journey like you feel a sense of you are really building something you know meaningful and worthwhile um i think when some milestones like funding or in you know, mintra case you know exit etc happen you feel i think those are more of a you know uh, especially you know acquisition etc is a mixed feeling you know you're not sure whether you're doing the right thing or not as <laughs> a relief that you are able to give shareholders a return back <clears throat> employees are able to see their resource transfer into some meaningful value and so on but i genuinely don't remember every single day i think it's about for me personally it's about you know 
enjoying you know nearly every day of the journey irrespective of going is that is you know more satisfying part of the of the whole journey i uh, fully relate to it but um, i was assuming you talk a bit more about uh, the flipkart uh, mintra um what is that relationship uh, what did that mean and yeah. for you professionally and did that change your uh, you know re- you know outlook towards work and life and exits and so forth because you were one of the very very few people who had like meaningful exits in at that time no, i think okay. it was a see one is it was very you know strategically strategically calculated you know i knew flipkart founders from before we had a lot of common investors and we were in touch you know for a while and it was the calculation of you know with amazon uh, getting more and more serious about india can mintra and flipkart together be much stronger company in terms of you know synergies across the two companies dominating two categories of electronics and fashion being able to attract lot more capital and our calculation was this was truly a case where the whole will be you know much bigger than some of parts so that is what you know it's a, in some ways it was improving probability of success for both mintra and flipkart we also designed in a way where mintra will for most part will you know continue to operate as a very independent company won't have to worry about you know fundraising so it can heads down focus on products and customers which is more important and introspect you know that's how it has panned out i think mintra has continued to thrive and thrive you know uh, in the overall flipkart ecosystem you know flipkart was very supportive and nurturing of mintra so is one of those rare cases where mnas uh, really worked out you know i got involved with the flipkart leadership team which was great yeah. for me because i got exposure to a much bigger scale flipkart was 10 times bigger than what mintra was so being able to see problems at that scale you know accelerated my own learning curve uh, i think uh, which you know would would have, would have taken me much longer to see at mintra so net net i feel it was a great move worked out really well for the shareholders on both sides and personally for me you know and also it created an opportunity for me to at some point move on to flipkart and you know think of becoming an entrepreneur again which also i believe you know is a luxury sometime you will end up you know just working in same company you know especially the founder for 15 20 years yeah um because you know i mean as somebody who's really bullish on india you often talk about india it was an important milestone for the indian startup ecosystem as well right. that an mna can work out and i would imagine i don't need you to comment on it that around that time you would also become financially free where you don't necessarily need to do stuff for for right. for money Right. So I'm interested to learn how you chose your next steps and right. how uh, how fitness came to fore yeah. um for you. Yeah, I think for me so you're right I think you know after I exited from Flipkart you know I didn't have to work you know I could have also chosen to travel around the world or what not right but mm. uh, I think by now by then I was very clear that I really love building companies and I had the clarity that pretty much this is what i'll be doing rest of my life you know when one journey comes to an end then we start our next journey and so on so it was i had zero doubt that i'm going to start again then the question was in what area and i tried to look at an area which had a both you know kind of intersection of a strong impact angle and also some bit of you know deep personal interest and health and fitness kind of you know checked all the boxes for me because in health you know if you are a health company if you are successful you are helping some, you know somebody live a better life literally right so um, and i also believe that health as a trend will grow like you know more and more people will pay attention to their health they're looking for credible solutions so it was a large enough opportunity and of course you know by that time i had pretty deep interest you know just you know, i i even back then i used to read pretty much everything 
try different things and so on. So it was, you know, one of those rare opportunities to you know, marry passion and opportunity, which can also do some good for the world, right? So it was, you know, that's what led me to starting CureFit. Yeah. What were the first hundred days like when you were trying to explore what the company should do? Um, what might the product look like? Uh, talk to us about those days. Yeah, I think so. What we want to do in first hundred days is one is to get a you know really solid eight to ten people. Um, so we focus a lot on recruitment and uh, really handpicking people who can contribute not only to their area of expertise, but also helping build a very unique culture in the organization. Second thing, you know, we also wanted to really accelerate our product market fit. So we looked at a lot of early stage company and we in fact ended up acquiring Cult, which was only one gym. We like the mm -hmm. founders, their passion, the format they'd created. In some ways, you know, we acquired the product market fit. So we didn't have to go through product market fit, you know, from scratch, you know. So I think, yeah, I would say mm. these two things, you know, probably dominate our first 100 days agenda. Did you have a surprising um, and nerve-wracking event at cult for early on of course yeah i mean covid is beyond surprising and beyond nerve-wracking because we were fundamentally an offline business and the wave one happens and your business shut down so your revenue goes from 100 to not 50 not 25 but zero and you have hmm. to still you know incur all the expenses you somehow survive that and things start to bound back and then you hit with wave two and again you repeat the whole cycle and then you're thinking you're out of it and six months down the line, now you're wave three. So like, you know, three, you know, knockout punch, you know, in a row, which mm -hmm. um, uh, so that both, you know, 2020 and 21 were very, very difficult. We went through dramatic changes, significant pivots. We kind of, you know, people call this pattern of shrinking to the core, which is what we did. We doubled down on fitness and put all the other, you know, initiatives on hold or shut down. Uh, we reduce our overall workforce, you know, um, uh, change our strategy significantly and in the end you know that um, not letting a crisis go to waste situation panned out i think things you know in some ways we became in a much much better company that we might not have without the crisis but yeah. uh, uh, during the crisis year were quite painful to say the least i want to double click on your mna first strategy or let's say you're receptive to any way that uh, enhances growth um so did you or did you not break your rib or at some point working out? <laughs> so you've done your research well. <laughs> and that's, I think, uh, yeah, very interesting story of how the cult journey started, right? So there is a place where I stay, there is a lake nearby. And I was quite free, I, was, I had no job, right? And so in the morning, I used to go for these long walks to, you know, clear my head, think about things and figure out what I want to do. And I used to see like there is this, you know, uh, mixed martial arts gym called Cult right on the, you know, one side of that lake. And I used to see it every day. And one day out of curiosity, I decided to go there and uh, inquire, you know, what is it all about. And there was a, you know, mixed martial art class was going on. So I talked to Rishabh, the founder, and I told him who I am. I said, you know, I want to do a trial class. So he put me in on the class. And there were this, uh, they were doing this rugby drill where uh, you know you have this rugby ball and you hold it and as tight as you can other guy has to snatch it out of you and then he gets a point so i got paired with this you know 100 kg man which was pretty big both you know taller bigger than me and we were doing you know this wrestling thing at some point i was on the floor with him on top of me trying to snatch the ball away and which he did eventually successfully 
and by that time we were done i could feel you know very sharp pain in my chest area and i thought it was some muscle sprain or something i put a volini and I thought it'll go away but it won't so next day you know go to hospital get an x-ray done and i had you know hairline fracture of the rib so that was my very first class in the cult and by all accounts i should have run away never gone back to that place but i something <laughs> like something about the vibe of the place and also passion of the rishab so after i was healed i again you know went back started down to rishab which ultimately led to us acquiring cult and today you know cult is by for the largest gym chain in the country yeah, it has to be one of the most adventurous acquisition <laughs> stories i have to say right um so around that time we talked about the crisis and not letting uh, a crisis go to waste i where i used to stay in delhi um there was you know there was a gym right in front of us but i started seeing multiple like food fitness there was like end to end kind of a solution that uh, that you were building um how did you decide to double down on something and let go of something talk to us about the decision making framework and the conversations with your team members because right. i think you'd formed a pretty star team early on right, right, uh, right. from places you'd worked with before so i think genesis of all this was you know we have defined curefit's uh, mission as making health easy uh, because we believe in a lot of people struggle with health so we wanted to build a platform still want to build a platform which you know solve for all aspect of healthy lifestyle which ranges from food fitness mental health um your primary care you know and so on so we've been building solutions for all of these you know but each category has its own challenges either the time issue like for example health food market is not very big or unity you know economic issues um and so on we are dealing with this so we found a outstanding product market fit in uh, cult which is our fitness offering you know which took off in a very big way food also we got decent traction but again you know the uh, the aovs are obviously 200 rupees or so and making unit economics work is you know very challenging in those price points so we're dealing with all of this and then pandemic happens right and which forces us to really think you know what can we save and what do we need to let go and we decided to then you know i think the most prudent thing to do was to double down our strength uh in some ways you know we so what we recognize the fitness we are already winning and pandemic will be a good opportunity for us to you know consolidate the entire fitness market you know which is what we did mm-hmm. and the other businesses you know where we either spun them off as an independent company or many you know things like mind fit care fit etc we shut down so i think larger ambition is still there the decision making mm-hmm. framework was really i think you know do we have product market fit or not uh, do we believe in the overall market potential is our assumption about that is true like we believe for example mental health will be a big market but uh, yeah. our three four years we showed that you know the while mental problem is very big market is very small because most people are today not seeking solution they are not paying for it so we look at and uh, what about the unity concept are they sustainable so after factoring all of this we have been from day one a very transparent organization so everybody will know everything so in some ways that was you know that turned out to our strength during pandemic period because we were able to have this transparent you know conversation with everybody who was involved and you know people rallied towards the understood they you know treated as if it's their own company and it was very participative decision making process so overall at least in the you know senior to mid management level uh, it was not that difficult but in the end you know when you have to reduce staff etc that has to be painful at certain level so we all felt the pain for it but even more so you know people who got affected in that so that's you know unfortunate you know impact of you know what the of the pandemic that we need to go through we obviously did everything in our power you know to be helpful 
but ultimately mm-hmm. you know losing your job in the middle of pandemic is obviously not a nice thing you know that's uh, yeah unfortunate reality and part and parcel of you know what you go through in the entrepreneurial journey yeah yeah you're absolutely right the point that you made about mental health is a, is an important huge problem it seems like the market is, still has to mature right tell us about the lll foundation and how you discovered them and what is it all about yeah so during our mental health um, explorations we you know reached out to a lot of people who are active in mental health space there are both for profit companies individual therapist and foundations so live love laugh foundation you know started by deepika padukone i think she was one of the first you know bollywood personality to come out and talk about depression you know in a very transparent manner i think which itself is quite commendable because we also on top of everything else mental health is also a topic which has been as carries reasonable taboo around it you know for no reason it just and the disease right so we need lot of people to come out and publicly talk about it and since you know she started talking about lot of other well known people you know across sports bollywood business you know they talk about mental health more openly which you know gives encourage other people to step out and do something about it uh, i know you know dr sham but who was involved in live laugh live love laugh foundation was also you know a uh, 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 chief doctor you know for our mindfit solutions so he worked very closely so that's how the association with the organization developed and partly i think you know probably i'm guessing you bring it up in the context of the book you know for me like you know uh, both the books i have written these are i want to communicate you know some of these key messages around productivity health etc and i do this a non profit you know uh, initiatives so it was great for you know ll foundation to collaborate with us so that you know all the proceeds you know royalties of the book can go to the foundation so hopefully you know uh, our small bit in contributing to all the good work you know they are doing yeah i just want to bring it to attention to all the people who watch it around the world that every single penny earned from the book goes to this particular foundation that uh, uh, bollywood actress uh, deepika padukone has set up and mukesh is supporting uh, her organization through this uh, this book and his previous one mukesh i have read your both your books and i think that uh, the flavor of both the books is similar fitness but what they are about is very different right. so do you want to give us our audience which is india and international a flavor right. of both books just what they are about and why sure. did you write them yeah i think you know one of the things you recognize in you know, your entrepreneurial journey very early on that how limited time you have like people may have different resources but no one has more time so the only vector hmm. of optimization is how can you do you know more in the same amount of time that started you know my own journey of exploring you know how do you really boost productivity what does science has to say about that what are the tools and practices and what do other people who are really productive do right and i studied a lot of that implemented in my own life i think you know i am able to dramatically improve my own productivity and then i felt you know this is really good you know productivity seems to be like a muscle that you can keep training training and gives you more and more and i was so you know giddy with excitement you know wanted to share with other people right and that's led to you know me writing my first book no limits uh, which is all about you know art and science of productivity and then mm-hmm. you know i think we talked already about second book you know hacking health which is more about i think primarily tries to cover you know how health works so health you know i believe something which is simultaneously very simple and very complicated and what yeah. i want to do is you know, bridge the gap you know i want to uh, trace the you know kind of uh, evolution of health like how did modern understanding of health came to be who discovered in calories 
when did we learn about you know sugar versus fat you know what does you know things like caffeine and alcohol etc do to our body what's our understanding of immunity what's happening in the you know cutting edge of longevity and so on right and then transitioning all of that into also simple tools that people can follow but mostly is you know the book is designed to that i'm not going to only tell you what's good for you i'm also going to tell you why it is good for you and what we know about it what we don't know about it in some ways very transparent book tries to do justice to the current understanding of science which in all you know transparency not 100% complete i think health science itself has a long way to go but whatever we know as of today i try to communicate that into the book and then there are you know some happy coincidences i found out in the process of writing a book like the lot of you know ancient wisdom and modern science and health is starting to converge the parallels are just absolutely uncanny you know just to talk about few like fasting has been part of you know every religious tradition it does lot yeah. of wonderful things in the body and nowadays you know calorie restriction or intermittent fasting is all the rage and the more importantly it's like very deeply scientifically validated we know exactly why it works why it's good for you things like you know prayer you know prayer is a form of meditation is a form of grateful you know the gratitude practice you know which is becoming very popular you know most cultures will talk about in getting up early and seeing sunrise now you know science also talks about it right you know that mm. exposure to morning you know, sunlight evening sunlight you know is great for you know controlling your circadian rhythm so i think finding all those parallels have been you know quite amazing right and it's as a you know good thing that they are converging and not diverging you know which makes it even more stronger yeah absolutely so you talk about sleep you talk about movement and you talk about diet Right. you know among other things like these seem to be the the core aspects of it so talk to us about some of the experiments that you've done in discovering your say body market fit with each of these three things right 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 lots of experiment i think this uh i think one let me first start by you know just summarizing i think the and i think you alluded to it i think the core message of the book if you really distill down you know how does you know how to pursue good health i think for me it really boils down to this eat less sleep more always move if people can do these three things through whatever mechanism it doesn't matter by and large you will do pretty well in you know managing your health the whole book is about explaining the evolution of this history science tools etc to basically you know um help you you know do this uh actually uh, And so what was your question? I wanted to talk, uh, learn about some of the experiments that you've done, right. because you know, as somebody who's traveled a lot, who's lived in different places, right. um, I'm sure you have done that. I, I often this space is confusing. Somebody says don't have coffee, the other person says have coffee all the right. time. Somebody says red wine is great for health, the other one says you must absolutely right. abstain from alcohol. Yeah. I'm very interested in learning from uh, successful entrepreneurs such as yourself. about the experiments that you've right. uh, done on yourself and what you learned from it you no know, so i have done you know all kind of experiment from something very simple to very complex so if i i think my own fitness journey you know went through from traditional bodybuilding to long distance running to crossfit you know that's when i got injured multiple times to yoga to pilates to dance and then eventually i'm realizing that you know just movement and some kind of resistance training is you know good enough right it doesn't matter how you figure out a movement like uh, i have tried variety of diets um different fasting formats and in fact i struggled initially a lot with the fasting and at some point i thought you know fasting or even though there is all the data is there but fasting is not for me but you know but the data i just keep pouring in and after some point you know i 
studied more deeply and created a protocol for myself and was able to you know successfully adopt this you know what people call 16 8 you know fasting where you uh, fast for 16 hours and eat in an 8 hour window and now it works you know brilliantly for me and for i feel super energetic in the other 16 hours i have done a lot of experiments with the cold therapy so earlier mm-hmm. you know what i used to do is i used to get this you know big ice slabs at home in the morning every sunday uh, melt them on a you know tub and then just go immerse myself for one to two minutes for cold exposure because it's you know, supposed to be really good. And again, there's a lot of science backing this for your immunity uh, uh, boosting. And now I have uh, this uh, kind of cryo tub, you know, which automatically adjusts the temperature of the water so that any time of the mm-hmm. day um, I can do that. You know, I have um, tried CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitoring. It's a patch you put with a small, you know, needle goes inside, you know, tra- tracks the sugar level continuously. At the moment you eat something, you know, within you will know how fast your sugar levels are spiking, whereas healthy, unhealthy. I've tried this Muse meditation device. So it's like a headband you put on your head and it's, you know, yeah. listen to electromagnetic uh, signals coming out of your brain to see how calm or, uh, um, you know, disturbed you know, your brain waves are and you get that, you know, audio feedback. You can use that to practice meditation and many more. So I think I it is, it's a pastime and hobby for me. But uh, in the process, also learn something that I can use in my lifestyle, and as well as sometimes translate into products and services that we offer at you know at the cult. Yeah, and maybe M and A opportunities because M&A there are many companies trying to to build around that. The good thing about the book, at least the one that I found, was that um, it provides both complex science-backed facts, which somebody can consume if they want to, and also things that. Uh, that one can just apply, you know, mental models to remember. Uh, the book starts with something like eat less, mostly plants, something, I think Michael right. uh, Pollan, Pollan, yeah. um, uh, Pollan's quote. So how did you consume this kind of literature and what was the process of actually distilling such complex medical literature into an accessible language, into a format, 300 words or so that uh, yeah. people can yeah, I think multiple yeah, multiple things contributed. One is, you know, I myself you know like to read. So that made easy, which is means I didn't start reading for health when I started writing the health book. You know, I've been reading about health for the last 15 years, right? So any good book comes out, it and ends up on my you know, shelf, and I I would you know, more often than I'll read it. Within cult, you know, we had this team of experts, you know, nutrition expert, uh, mental health expert. Uh, multiple fitness experts and we'll have a lot of meetings to talk about various topics right when i started writing a book i had a small team of you know two researchers who worked exclusively with me you know pouring over all the literature you know they will go through it you know find then we'll triangulate all the findings and you know anything will feel interesting you know i would not only try on myself but you know we have a lot of enthusiastic people in the cult ecosystem who would also love to try so i asked them to try and give feedback so it's like you know this all these multiple factors both you know academic reading as well as practical experimentation you know is the method that we followed right it's a in the end i think this team of almost nine to ten people who collaboratively worked on parsing through mm-hmm. all the information and figuring out you know what is something we feel comfortable endorsing or not endorsing so when was the process of writing editing going on was it during the pandemic because it seems like that was not much, yeah, actually, yeah yeah because <laughs> my last book no limits was published right at the start of pandemic and by yep. the time I had decided that this is the second book I want to write, uh, it obviously took a backseat for the first six to nine months because, you know, all of our 
mind space was in the pandemic. Yeah. But towards the end of 2020, I got serious about writing, you know, and I follow a process where I will in the morning, I'll take in a half an hour to one hour, try to write 500 words to 1000 words. Uh, you know, typical book is 100,000 words. So technically, if you can write even 500 words a day, you can be done with your book in, you know, 200 days. But then you need to be super clear about, you know, uh, like in nonfiction books, you need a lot of background, you know, material and validation, yeah. which is where you don't need, you know, team and all the time is required. So I think I would have taken almost 15 months to write first draft and then a few revisions working with that. It's a whole process end to end was probably about two years. How did uh, Chandra write the um, <laughs> forward of the book? Because he's, uh, I mean, he's fit. He's, he has an amazing uh, work-life uh, yeah. regimen. But why did you choose him? How did you decide? Why not Hrithik Roshan? First of all, you know, I had a great fortune to work with him last two years. I think uh, it's been for me from, you know, as a mentorship, you know, it was phenomenal because... Do you want to tell us a bit about who I'm talking about for our... Right, of course, you know, you know, Mr. You know Andy Chandrasekharan, he is a chairman of Tata Group. I think he's led the group very successfully, you know, after his incredibly successful stint uh, leading TCS. He is, you know, probably the foremost, you know, business person in India and more importantly, also super fit. You know, he has single-handedly, you know, kind of build this culture of long-distance running in India where he has by now completed numerous marathons. So I think, you know, as I got to know him, you know, a lot of our conversations will be about health. And he has, you know, he knows pretty much everything that there is to know about health, very enthusiastic about it, you know, actively promotes uh, long distance running as one method for pursuing healthy lifestyle. So, you know, he was very graceful about, you know, willing to write forward. I felt, you know, he's a great person because he, you know, uh, practices what he preaches so it becomes you know quite authentic despite his you know incredibly hectic schedule and huge demand on his time he still you know prioritize his health and is you know very genuine authentic about it so i was honored that you know i could get a forward from him yeah no congratulations for that uh just like quickly wrapping up now you've survived the pandemic in fact uh, many would say you've emerged stronger anti-fragile to borrow Nassim Nikola Taleb's uh, <laughs> right. terminology. Um, what does the future look like? Of course, you mentioned m and could be, you're not ruling that out, but how are you thinking about exploring, scaling products, markets, and so forth? I think there are two, you know, primary access for evolution for us. See, in India today, there's still only 5 million people who go to gym and 10% of them are already, you know, member of cult. But 5 million in a country of 1.4 billion is too small. So I think the biggest imperative for us in the coming years or even coming decade is how we take this number of 5 million to 50 million. So it's a meaningful number. So how do we promote the culture of fitness in the country? So I think that is one. Second thing is, you know, we have done very well in fitness, but fitness alone is not good health. You have all these mm -hmm. other factors which also go into healthy lifestyle, which for us, you know, got paused during pandemic. You know, slowly we want to go back into some of those things. So we can you know, keep embarking on the journey of being a more holistic health platform. So that's the other area. And then other practical considerations, I think we are very close to profitability. You know, we want to do that. We are starting to think about IPO plans very seriously so we can create a meaningful exit and return for our investors. So yeah, these are some of the things, you know, where Cult is going to focus and on. And unit economics, is that, uh, are, is that yeah, on we, your radar? So that, in fitness, you know, we've always been unit economics positive and that has been, you know, so business model was 
uh, wise, we have been in a pretty strong footing, which has gotten much stronger off late. And what we are now, you know, just working towards being company level profitability and at least for our fitness service portfolio, I think we're just two or three quarters away from that. Oh, wow, that, that's exciting. You know, the final section of this particular discussion focus on how you relax because there are, you know, so as somebody who keeps reading and experimenting on his body, uh, I'm assuming you probably don't uh, do anything to harm your body much. So what does the process of relaxation look like for you? How do you unwind if at all? What does a cheat day look like for you, if at all? Yeah. And um, we can just take it from there. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, even, you know, my morning, you know, usually I think a couple of hours, which are dedicated to fitness, wellness, little things. So getting up, you know, doing some kind of activity in the gym. This is very varied. I'd like to go for a walk in the morning, you know, see sunrise, etc. meditate on most days. Similarly, in the evening, you know, most like my wind down routine, you know, uh, boils down to spending some time with my kids, you know, which are, you know, quite grown up now. Uh, post that, just, you know, reading a book. Again, you know, meditating, reflecting, you know, thinking about my day and uh, which also translates into very little social life, which is, you know, but I get, you know, enough and more interaction uh, during my work day because most of my work involves just, you know, meeting with a lot of interesting people. So I think I had enough social exposure during the day and I try to you know avoid that uh, in the evening so I would say uh, most of my relaxations around reading workout movies kids wonderful and uh, if you if you were to see around yourself the young people who work at, in your company um, they're obviously working very hard there are long hours in build are you doing some things to make uh, fitness and mental health etc part of their routine as well yeah. Because it's very common for young professionals to work long and then party over the weekend, which you yeah. address in the book directly. You are right. Generally, that, yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking, you know, that's the trend. But I think for us, CureFit, you know, we, we really wanted to practice what we preach, right? So we have four core values. Our four core, fourth core value is nurture your mind and body. So we have kind of baked into, you know, company constitution. We have created a lot of rituals and processes and policies. For example, everybody gets a free cult subscription, People get you know significant discount on all the other you know health and wellness products that we retail. Then we have monthly events. We have an annual fit games where you know we give every there's a two days of you know this games extra veganja where you know everyone you know plays some sports and there are teams and competitions and so on. So I think we have you know very and a lot of people when they join cult they end up losing weight in first six to nine months because see we all of us get really influenced by our environment. And cult in an mm. environment which is, you know, thriving with fitness conversation, fitness activities, and so on. And people, you know, it has a positive effect on people who join and they get inspired, they find mentors, buddies, etc., to work out with and see a lot of positive change in their health, you know, during their uh, standard cure fit. Ten years from now, if you're really, really successful, wildly successful, way beyond your dreams, as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a as a, as a father, as a spouse, whatever. Uh, what does the world really look like? Yeah, for me, I think I'm at a core entrepreneur. You know, I want to build things which hopefully makes the world a better place. So really, I think nothing will change for me. 10 years from now, I'm pretty sure I'll be working on some really significant problem, which is, you know, can create positive impact scale. It may be a for-profit project or not-for-profit project. I don't know. That will evolve. But, you know, I think... You know, I like building things. I like solving problems. I like scale. So I'm sure it'll be some combination of those things. Awesome. 
any final piece of advice to young professionals and students listening to you uh, or perhaps inspired by a story your book yeah i think given the topics that we talked about i think i will probably reiterate two things one is you know entrepreneurship is a very long term game uh, it takes easily 10 plus years to build a really good company and even if you do that you know 90% of value creation happens in second decade so i'll really encourage people to think you know long term as they think about entrepreneurship seriously and second thing is you know investment in your health is what enables the longevity in entrepreneurship because your staying power goes up um you are able to focus more uh, more think better don't get too affected by the you know usual stressful events which are inevitable in the entrepreneurial journey so and the you know younger you start the earlier you start the compounding effects of that are even more pronounced you know if you start being active lifestyle in your 20s and 30s you will not run into lifestyle disease in your 40s and 50s which will give you that long term runway to pursue your dreams and you know create a much deeper impact than you might you know otherwise play the long game thank you very much mukesh i learned so much from both your books and this conversation um the way you building this organization is uh, is an inspiration for everyone around so thank you so much for doing this for the ecosystem and i really appreciate the fact that you're donating all the proceeds to a non-profit focused on mental health thank you utkarsh thanks for inviting me i greatly enjoyed the conversation and uh, wish you and your listeners all the best